You're listening to a very moody sports show with Daniel Moody and Zach Whittington. Brought to you by Moody and Sons Electric. For any electrical needs, call Moody and Sons at 864-478-4328. That's 864-478-4328. Welcome into a very moody sports show. I'm Daniel Moody. And this is Zach Whittington coming at you live, maybe, depending on when you listen to it. Episode 42, Daniel. Jackie Robinson. What is that? Jackie Robinson. You beat me to the punch. (sighs) Sorry, Zach. So, do we really need to say anything about Jackie Robinson besides he... Broke the color barrier and changed the layout of all sports forever. Uh, it sounds like you might have summed it up with that, Zach. Yeah, so just a great moment in history, an icon forever. The MLB even goes as far as every single player wears 42 once a year on Jackie Robinson Day. Gave him a whole day. So there you go. Jackie Robinson, Number 42. One, one of the goats in American history. Absolutely. I wore 42 when I was on a lacrosse team. In I high do school. remember that. That was a, that's a great, oh, such a good number, man. Only one Only year one though. Deeple. That was dope. Yep. And then I switched to 29, which was cool. Cause my buddy Raymond was 28. <laughs> so 28 went for 29. the Jordan switch a little bit. <laughs> I think I wore 50. When I was a freshman, and 50 when I was a sophomore, 42-29. Football, I was 72. Shout out to Refrigerator Perry. <laughs> Woo! Big Refrigerator. He'll be a later episode, perhaps. When I, when I was younger, I was 93. I've had a few numbers. What was I in basketball? I was 50 in basketball, Good gracious, too. Zach. You have literally had the entire number scale. <laughs> Looking at all of them. I mean, you don't get the pick half the time. That's true, I guess. <laughs> Did you really not get It's not get like I'm pick? playing at a... It's not like I'm the quarterback of Texas. Oh, come on, man. But like I'm <laughs> like, there's enough numbers. At Eastside football, there was enough numbers. Well, you gotta think you gotta think though. Players. You get there. So say you're a freshman and you're not dominant. You're not dominant, you're not on varsity as a freshman. You go to a C team. They give they throw you a jersey. Are you kidding me? They, doesn't matter what position they are. You got wide receivers in the sixties. Doesn't matter. They throw you a jersey. And then you get you get the J V is a little bit better. You actually get some structure, you pick, but the guys that are there earlier, they get it. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of first come first serve. You get in a long ass line, and you get a jersey and the terrible equipment. And if you're in the back of the line, you get a helmet that don't fit, shoulder pads three sizes too big. So this is personal experience. I'm offensive lineman, and then you get the varsity finally as a junior, and then you got the senior who's better than you who got to pick his number first. And see, they're gonna be like sixty nine or something. The offensive line they all suck. It's the sixties and the seventies. But, uh, and then, I mean, there's some cool numbers if you know your football knowledge. But besides that, man, it's kind of slim pickings because the good players get to pick, and it's still first come, first serve usually. So your number is, I, it's, it's a big deal because it's your number. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, feel, but, I just assume. But I, I can't, I don't think I've ever got to pick my number besides, I was 76 on the offensive line, and then 72 came available, and I scooped it. 
because I like the refrigerator Perry. Shout out Clemson and the Bears get... went in the '85 Super well, it's Bowl. It's cool being able to switch the jersey number anytime you want. It seems that's cool. I got a lot of reps, but I will tell you this: whenever I play video games, I either pick 18, which is my birthday. Or I, I throw it back to your boy, 93. Growing up, I wore 93 every year youth, youth football. and Classic. I absolutely love 93. But I was an offensive lineman, 93. Stupid. But I played both ways. We'll see. And I would, uh, if I'm playing in, in the NCAA or something, it's always number 12. And that was uh, purely just because at a young age, I was like, the number 12 is dope. I didn't like Brady growing up, so I never I liked mean, 12. I mean, I was uh, not prepared for Brady to come into my life and destroy the number 12 for me, but like number 12. Yeah, but then you got Aaron Rodgers, 12. There's a bunch of 12s out I feel there. 12 very popular. I always thought 18 was cool because no one's worn 18 except... I don't know, Zach. Come on. Number 18. Who's the best number 18 of all time? Peyton Manning. Exactly. Peyton There's Manning. one 18 out there, and it's Peyton Manning. And I always thought By that was the way, cool because that's my birthday, and he's one of the best he's quarterbacks. Got a new, he's got season two coming out of Peyton's Places. You ever watch that, Zach? Oh, yeah, dude. I binged Peyton's Places. I actually really Well, you get that. season two so, coming soon. How cool. about that? That's some exclusive. And speaking of exclusive content coming to the ESPN app, Daniel, the last that we just <laughs> it's over oh, man it's sad zach <laughs> it is a little sad that it is over um zach obviously we got episodes nine and ten uh last sunday what was your thoughts on the wrapping up of the uh final of the documentary um so first off off pod me and daniel discussed a little bit <clears throat> just a little pregame leading up to this and i said the pod could have went twenty episodes. You said if it was, you felt it was a little cut short. I did. Can you elaborate? Um, so it just felt like episode nine and ten obviously covered uh, the ninety seven season champion, ninety seven championship, and then covered the ninety eight uh, championship and that everything they went through. But they didn't really go in depth on a lot of stuff. Really, it was just superficial as far as like the de- details you got from what was happening with the team and the organization. And then they just gave you the playoffs. Like, they gave you a couple playoff runs for each of them. It just seemed very, like, run through it quick. And I know it was reported that they were working on the last episodes when this started premiering. So I I did feel like it was a little rushed at the end, and I felt like you could see. Was that really reported? reported that uh, when episode, like, 5, 6, and 7 were coming out, uh, episode 8, 9, and 10 were still in the works, not finished 100%. What does that mean? Does that mean rendering and buffering and Michael having final say on what clips Probably. make it? Or does that mean, yeah, because there weren't shooting. Obviously course. not shooting, but some <clears throat> of the interviews and stuff. But I think more likely what you said where Jordan's probably telling them maybe we cut that part, maybe we keep that part. Do you think he changed his narrative throughout the course of the episodes coming out? I feel... Depending on fan reaction, or do you think he just did what he wanted? I do feel. Because everyone says Jordan does what he wants. He's a man of conviction, and he holds grudges. Uh, I, I totally so feel that he, w- he did. He wouldn't pull a Kanye and edit his song. Uh, no, he? I do feel actually. So a, a big, big complaint I saw not that I saw all around, but you know that I'd heard on podcasts, things I listened to through ESPN and stuff. Um, obviously, I noticed it. 
very light presence of Michael Jordan's children, his wife, his family sort of history and stuff. Cause, and that was a major part to what conspired with Jordan. And obviously if you don't want, if he doesn't want him in his personal life, that's all, that is his business. But when you get to episode nine and 10, you get his two sons talking about not getting to go to the, to Utah for the jazz series uh, because it was such a hostile environment. But that's all you got from the kids. But this at the last episode, I felt like it was a little bit just like, all right, let's insert them in here, give them a little bit of my kids, but my kids are just going to be like, oh, Utah was a crazy stadium. We couldn't go. Bam, that's it. But I feel like that's a different documentary. The Jordan Home Life documentary, where we dive into his mother, his dad, the murder the kids i first off the kids may not want to be on the documentary second so you have to respect their opinions and how they want to identify as themselves not the children of michael jordan so with that being considered i still think there's a separate doc, separate documentary to be made for the motivation and the upbringing of Jordan, you could do a real good college documentary of Jordan, a real good high school documentary of Jordan, and then a real good adult, like, home life documentary of Jordan that has nothing to do with his NBA career except for the implications of it on his personal life, you know? This was called The Last Dance, which is what Phil Jackson had on the packet for the introduction of training camp for the 97-98 season. He titled the season The Last Dance and gave it to his players. So this was about that season and winning the sixth title and the controversy that led up to it. So I don't feel cheated from the kid aspect. And in terms of wrapping it up quickly and working on it, who knows if they're working on it? Who knows if Jordan changed his narrative? Who knows? I don't think he would have that much. It's He's pretty straightforward to me, it seems. What do you think? Uh... I mean, I think he's straightforward. I think everything you got from Jordan as far as interviews and stuff, I think that's 100% what Jordan wanted. I think that was Jordan giving you his honest opinions, like when he's telling you that, uh, yeah, everybody in the world probably sees me as a as an a-hole, but uh, in my my opinion, you just don't want to win things. I, I, t- I totally believe him. That's how he sees it. And I uh, honestly respect the idea that that's how – he felt he had to get his team prepared to win the championships and go through what he needed them to go through to get to the points they wanted to be at. But I don't think this is a hundred percent what, like for example, Horace Grant after the documentary has wrapped up has now started talking about how upset he is with how they portrayed him in the documentary as a snitch uh, with the Sam Smith uh, Jordan rules uh, articles. Um, And then uh, just so saying Horace Grant said that he thought that it was unfair that he be called a snitch by Michael Jordan, who in technicality and I didn't even think about this, but totally agree with Horace Grant. Michael Jordan is an absolute snitch as he is sitting here multiple decades after all this conspired and in a documentary is talking about his first year with the Bulls, him walking into one of the hotel rooms and his teammates having drugs and drinks and women in the room. What does that have to do with Michael Jordan in the 90s 90s Bulls? Nothing at all. So, well, 
but I can argue that because Jordan was expressing the state of the Bulls when he got there. The Bulls were nothing at the time. They were a small market in a big city in terms of a basketball team and a brand. And Michael got there, who really, people knew Michael was good, but he was still the third overall pick. And then he turned into Michael Jordan, and the legend is born. Because he still didn't win anything the first seven years, you know? So it's like, man, how good was the team, really? It was a come-up for the organization, a come-up through good drafting and Jordan getting more lethal and cerebral. And then the Bulls became the dynasty only because of what Michael did in the six championships. I was wearing a Bulls sweatshirt I, tonight. I saw you take that off. <laughs> and that's the thing, like... Do you think I would have that sweatshirt if Michael didn't win six championships? No, but what I think Horace Grant was trying to point out is what does those players doing in their personal times off the court when Michael Jordan is a rookie? Michael Jordan was not coming in as a rookie to win the championship. What does that them doing that back then have to do with this documentary? I don't think it has much pertain on the documentary itself. But Horace Grant... But he was just talking about the players smoking weed and doing coke in the hotel room, you know? Like, his whole team was in there, is what he was saying, with a bunch of hookers and cocaine and weed. Like, that's that's not okay in-season or off-season, really, if you're in the NBA. I hate to tell you. Not ideal, (laughs) but... If you're trying to win championships... I just don't think it has... I absolutely agree it doesn't have a good pertain to basketball. But a documentary... That's my thing. And then another... Uh, but dry snitching, I understand. He is dry snitching are. by the technical And term. so that's where Horace Grant feels. Definitely. And then also, Scottie Pippen uh, was not happy with how <laughs> he was betrayed, put, portrayed in this uh, documentary. His less of a issue with how Jordan talked and stuff, more an issue with how the documentary just sort of... It, it jumped all over Scottie... Not and when Jordan's not there in '94, jumps all over Scotty not playing that one one game one play when Kukoc makes the game winner, um, and then pretty, pretty big, big deal. deal. And then if you, I did feel in the last episodes, you uh, obviously they talk about uh, Scotty Pippen having his back injury during the finals game, um, and it did seem to me, and I totally agreed, and I do not feel Scottie Pippen has anything he owes anything to anybody. It's a sixth championship they were going for, and his back was injured on a basketball court. Don't expect too much of the man. But it did feel like they portrayed it as, like, was Scotty injured, really? Was he actually hurting in his back? And so I totally understand Scottie Pippen being unhappy with how they did that. But it's also in the fact of this was a documentary, as you said, that was about the last dance, the Bulls last dance. But just as when it was back then they were playing in the 90s, it was all about Jordan. It was them and Jordan in this 90s, this last dance documentary about the 98 Bulls season has been about Jordan and then the rest of the team and what happened. But it's first about Jordan. Well, let me stop you there. And let me let me ask you this. The comment on the Scotty. After watching these 10 episodes of The Last Dance, who was the second place player on the Bulls? Second Scottie best player. Pippen. How much more do you know about Scotty Pippen now than you did 
two months ago. I know a fair amount more, but I will say I also know a fair and there's amount good and bad. more about well, Jordan, too. Yes, I understand that. But there's good and bad with what they showed with Scottie Pippen. But they built the legend of Scottie Pippen. He helped build the legacy. I don't take this as bad, Scottie Pippen. I got to see his whole career layout almost in 10 episodes. There was a lot of Scottie coverage. Michael said you should not mention my name without mentioning Scottie. The ultimate compliment. But that was like the early episode. So it had time to wear off. <laughs> had the time to wear off. And then we all got hit with the Scottie sitting out on the last play. And then it just like Scotty got pounded in the middle of the series. And we all have recent memories. And we feel bad for Scotty. But I think as a whole, this helped build Scotty. He had good interviews, good insight to how he felt. As a basketball fan, I am happy that I got this exposure to Scotty. The Jordan stuff, there's been other documentaries on Jordan. Jordan was on every Sports Center episode for 20 years. I like what I got to see for Scotty. I like the insight on Horace. I like the insight on Steve Kerr. The, the last player to get a four-peat. Three straight with the Bulls, one with the San Antonio Spurs. Four straight championships. Shout out Steve, Steve Kerr. Coach of the Warriors. It's crazy. You get the insight from the playing career. You get to t- listen to Patrick talk. I like the interviews. I like listening to the basketball minds. I'm a, I call myself a student of the game. I love basketball. I'd love to coach it one day. I'd love to work in it one day. But watching that, I think we need to start having a discussion about Jordan versus the field. Is he the GOAT forever and always? Is he a mythical legend forever and always? 2,000 years from now, is there going to be talk of Michael Jordan? And, like, what athletes are even in his category? Like, is is he that type of guy? Let's have this discussion. I think it's time. After the 10 episodes, it's time for us to talk about the legend of Michael Jordan. Um, so I will say I totally agree with you as far as Scotty. I did love getting the look into Scotty. Definitely great stuff. Um, and I do, I think I have a larger appreciation for Scotty Pippen now than I did before. And I before always stood on the rock that people love Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan didn't win six championships if he didn't have Scotty Pippen. That's just the facts. Um, Mm -hmm. but as you said, let's talk about Michael Jordan and who is comparable to this man as far as his, uh, as you said, legend, the myth. Um, I do think Michael Jordan is on a different level as far as uh, fame and, and legendariness versus like a Michael jo- uh, LeBron James. I don't think I don't think LeBron James could get to that point. And this is sort of built on the fact of you have to compare. What Jordan did, his popularity in a time when you cannot promote yourself online, you cannot promote yourself easily anywhere. He did all that and became Air Jordan when that time. I think other people you would compare that to, Muhammad Ali. That is a man who took a stance. Jackie Robinson. People who not only have change the sport but affect just genuine culture affect the world and what happens and muhammad ali and jackie robinson both obviously doing things you don't think lebron does that i think lebron does that but i think lebron does that in the same fashion of lebron obviously helps build schools helps do he there's many things he's done for his community for for the for the youth for just in general the world but Every other player, if you go look, is probably doing something along those lines. Maybe not on the scale he is, but also compare the paychecks they're getting. He's doing this while dominating 
the game at an advanced age. And here's the thing. The script is not done on no. LeBron either. We got five years left of this man. And he's evolved to the three-point shooter. The argument that everyone's saying after the last dance is he doesn't have the killer instinct. And now people are putting Kobe above him. And that may be due to just the premature death and the tragedy. And now the legend's growing like a Jimi Hendrix or something of that nature, you know, like, but it's just with LeBron. I've, I've been a closet LeBron fan the first 10 years of his career. I was a closet LeBron fan. And then I was a full blown LeBron fan and I have shoes. I've bought the man's shoes. He's a great player. If he wins a title with the Lakers and gets to four, it's not going to be enough, especially this year with the asterisks on the season and COVID-19. But I'm telling you, man, if he gets to five, if he gets to six, if he ties Kobe with five, people are still going to give him crap for this year. He's going to have to get to six with five honest championships and one with an asterisk to pass Kobe and Duncan to me, man. Like, why? I, I don't I, know. I, Tim Duncan's even up there for me. So like, if we're talking just five if championships, we're talking like LeBron five. and Michael and and where LeBron stands in this, as you said, a Tim Duncan, a Kobe Bryant. Nobody ever wants to count Bill Russell in there. You know, that man has nine rings. I understand when he did it. I understand the situations in which he did it. But. And that's why you can't say Bill count Russell. Count the freaking rings, in the story. man. Count the freaking rings. But plus rings. the stats. Plus the stats, though. Look at look at Jordan all-time scoring. Look at Kobe all-time scoring. LeBron is going to be all-time number one most scored points. He's going to be top ten in assists. He's going to be top ten in rebounds. He may be top ten in steals by the time it's said and done. Give so. me this then, Zach. If we're talking about not just rings, if we're talking about how good of a player you are, where does your Jerry West, the man, the face of the logo of the NBA, who has, I do believe, one or zero rings, where does he fall? Where he's got Patrick like, Ewing. He's got like these people five to ten finals. What do you losses, do with Patrick dude? Ewing? Is this man not an all-time? I think Patrick Ewing could contest. He's all-time an all-time great. great. We're talking about the best there ever was, Daniel. But we're not talking about Patrick Ewing. Can and you Jerry ring? West. So my question: Do you ring count when you're talking all-time great? Because you can't. Have you to. have to. Have to. But that's have unfair to. to Patrick Ewing, who literally could not do it's anything. It was Michael Jordan. <laughs> When we're talking GOAT, we're talking everything. We're talking cultural impact. We're talking league impact. We're talking championship. We're talking personal And I'm with you. We're talking no scandals, man. I'm with you, man. I think Jordan is going to be up there and probably won't get touched. But if LeBron can get the championship rings there, LeBron has the better cultural, not cultural influence, but just positive effect on his community. I agree. Yes, I agree with that too. There's no debating it. But like Jordan's donated millions to uh, relief and different types of things recently, and definitely like socioeconomic. And Jordan and, climbs the ladder. Like race. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah, but that's recently because ever since he came out, he's like, I can no longer stay silent on social issues and stuff. He started donating to causes, especially like with minorities and stuff like that. So Jordan's trying to make up for lost time, but in the grand scheme of things, dude's pushing billionaire like. You could be going crazy with it, you know? And, like, I'm not... It's capitalism. Spend as I can't tell a man what to do with his money. But, like, when I'm sitting here, a normal human who doesn't make Jack anything, and Jeff Bezos is about to be a trillionaire, these guys with crazy money can 
you know, improve life for other people in multitudes of ways. You know, I, a good person. Would. A I good person. Say, I agree, Zach, but I will not judge them if they don't. How about that? <laughs> yes, yes. Don't tell a man what to do with his money, but a good person with that much disposable income would do a lot. Well, with Zach, it. now that we have described, covered a fair amount of what I would say is probably one of the best, better ESPN documentaries. We now also have a new one starting Sunday, two-episode part, two-part docu-series on Lance Armstrong. Zach, do you have any interest in this at all? It's going to obviously cover doping scandal, him coming in, all this, the cancer issue, the testicular cancer, him fighting that, beating that, coming back, all of it. What about Livestrong? What about the whole push for cancer fundraising and relief for treatment and and searching for a cause and a cure. So, like, there's a lot of stuff to go into Lance. Squeezing and I mean, dude, in two episodes. he won a bunch of Tour de France's in a row. So, he's crazy. And then people started accusing him of doping. And then, I mean, I'm interested to an extent. It's going to be raw Lance. Hopefully, he doesn't lie to the camera. I think you're going to get but more raw damn. Lance than you got raw Jordan. Jordan seemed like he get. I feel like Jordan doesn't lie. Jordan doesn't lie, but I, I think like, you're going to get... I feel like he's one of those boy. He's like, he's true to his word, and you cross him, he's not going to forgive you. But I guy. think, like, I just think that Lance, I think you may get a couple more of those things like where Jordan tells you the flu game was actually a food poisoning game. I think we may end up more of those from Lance, which is cool. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take Lance. But what I'm really, really wanting to ask you, Dan, did you catch The Last Ride? The Last Ride. The documentary about The Undertaker. No, I didn't, didn't get see this. The Last Ride? <laughs> so, Undertaker, infamous WWE star, 18-0 at WrestleMania. I'm pretty sure he got like 20-0 at WrestleMania, and then they finally lost. A, he never should have lost. He should have retired undefeated at WrestleMania. But the dead man, the phenom. Seven foot, crazy. He's been around since WCW. They did a two-part series on The Last Ride, which was one of his finishing moves. It was a powerbomb, Daniel. I don't know if you knew that. But uh, The Undertaker, among his tombstone, he had the patented tombstone pile driver and the uh, the last ride, and he would have the occasional choke slam. So The Undertaker, one of the best ever, the Phenom, bomb. So that's oh, awesome. Man. Great. Anyways, stuff. don't know if you catch that or not. Did not, but I do. I. How about WWE Network releasing that at the same time as the they're Last just, Dance and calling it the la- the Last Ride? That's pretty very clever. clever. Very pretty on clever. top of it. Um, and people love hey, the man. Undertaker. I had fun Give fact. Me a Bill Goldberg I had, documentary. I, I had a poster of the Undertaker in my room at one point. I just remembered that. God, man, that's wild. That's I loved back in the day. Young Daniel watching WWE. Could, I don't think there was anything with more passion on earth. <laughs> so here's the thing, Daniel. I thought I was a Goldberg fan. And I was delighted to find <laughs> out. You are a real I mean, like, Goldberg Literally, fan. I would cry to meet that man. <laughs> I had no idea he played for George Dude, Bulldog. Shout out, linebacker. Wild man. He was a, he was a junkyard dog. <laughs> 
So speaking of that, linebacker football, he was in the longest yard with Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, Nelly. He w- Kevin Nash was in there, another what wrestler. What a great movie. Who else was in there? So, Stone Cold, I thought Stone Cold was in there. Dude, this is... Who else? Michael Irvin? Terry Crews was in that movie. Burt Reynolds? Terry Crews? Burt Reynolds? That was great. Terry Crews, yeah, Ooh, Terry Crews. Uh, Who else did Courtney we have? Cox was in the, f- in the first, like, five minutes. Yeah, Courtney Cox, yeah. random. That's true. Uh, are we missing anybody big? I said Burt Reynolds, rest in peace. And I, now that I just said rest in peace, I am going to have to stop before we move on from the NBA. Rest in peace to longtime jazz coach. Coach during the whole time that Jordan was playing against the jazz, the Stockton Malone era. Jerry Sloan has died at the age of 78, born 1942, died in this year, 2020. He even was, was still coach when they drafted Gordon Hayward for a year or two. So had a little bit of impact on Gordon Hayward, coached all of Stockton Malone, major impact. Popovich even said his part about him. He was a mentor to Popovich. So one of the all-time greats. Gone too young, 78. Maybe rest in peace. Jerry Sloan. <sighs> so awful. Continuing with the heavy heart, Zach, obviously. <laughs> um you said that we were no more real basketball to talk about right now. Obviously, I do believe the NBA did say they were looking into a return here shortly. They were getting a proposal together. Disney World is the prime spot. They're going to do pretty much like a summer camp, and Disney World is the leading candidate. All the teams are going to hunker up, and they're going to do a AAU-style camp deal and they're just going to have a little playoffs down there. The players are going to be using the rides all the time. They're just going to turn them on and go use them. <clears throat> you think Kawhi Leonard gets on roller coasters? He, and yes, I bet he laughs just like he did. Is he an arms-up guy? Is he an arms-up guy or so arms-down heard guy? in interviews here recently that Kawhi is like, if you're talking to Kawhi about basketball, he's a very like serious person, very, very calm and collected. He said, if you get this man talking about something he's interested in, he goes crazy. So I totally think he's a roller coaster lover. Oh, he's a fun he's a guy. He's a lover, fun guy. He's an arms up man. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. So if y'all take anything from this podcast, it is the hot take that Daniel thinks Kawhi Leonard's an arms up roller coaster. Kawhi rider. Leonard rides a roller coaster screaming arms up. Facts. Arms up. We have to do a This is coming this, to the social media. Both social medias, and I'm going to apologize. I don't know if Dan wants to. We have failed you all on social media, and it's no fault of our own. We're working men. We're young adults. We're chasing our dreams. We're doing a podcast, and we don't post a lot on social media. But we keep the podcast coming week to week. And we're going to get better about it. You know. On the social media. Yeah, so we'll try to. Anyone who's really good at social media and loves sports, send us an inbox. We'll uh, we'll we'll talk. We'll talk some propositions to each other. Some trades of sort of something. <laughs> some bartering. bartering. So Zach, sports. We do have a couple foot NFL announcements. Uh, Joe Flacco signs a one-year deal with the Jets. You think he's back up? Yeah. Yeah, they're not. They're not benching. Sam All right, Arnold. just I mean I was. Not for Flacco. Flacco. You don't get the Super Bowl winning Flacco. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Do you bench Sam Darnold for Cam Newton? I would. (laughs) Um, 
I am ruthless, though. No love, love for, for Sam. Sammy sorry. B. The man threw so many interceptions. He's interception-bound. Um, Every Carlos year. Hyde, one year so signing with uh, Seattle. You had a you had a question for me. You were like, is there going to be space for him? Because uh, apparently they were also talking of returning, bringing back uh, Marshawn Lynch for a longer contract again. Um, they had brought him back last year during the season. Obviously had some injury issues with uh, their depth as far as Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, and I do believe Travis Homer even got banged up at the end of the season. Got down to having to have Marshawn Lynch there. So uh, do you think Carlos Hyde is going to be able to get the touches he wants? Think he's the number one back there now? So... Maybe. <laughs> Carlos Hyde was good a few times. Uh, why does he keep bouncing around so much in your opinion? Uh, I, think, I think it's a fit issue. Carlos Hyde, you know, started out with uh, uh, Shanahan and uh, uh, San Francisco. And so I feel like, obviously, I think that was a good offense for him. But I think it's a bit of a situation where he moved on to – uh, he moved on to the Texans backfield with uh, Deshaun Watson there. It was a little bit of a busy backfield too. A lot of people he had to share carries with, but I don't think it was a system that fit him right. He needs a fast running gun system that depends on him doing a lot more catching than running, I think, out of the backfield. Um, so I think he would be more ideal going to like a Kansas City situation probably than a Seattle. Who Seattle's going to run ground and pound? Yeah, well, this year he's a see Seahawks, how we'll see how so it goes. Uh, I'm going to hijack the conversation real quick because you brought up Deshaun Watson and okay. the Texans. So, first comment is I've heard in on ESPN now and Fox and multiple outlets, multiple analysts saying Deshaun Watson should be on the first train out of Texas. I've said it to get out. <laughs> this is the Bill O'Brien effect. When will management get the message? I don't understand. You're going to lose your franchise quarterback. You're going to lose a quarterback who's going to play in this league for 15 years. And anyways, that's just a point. <laughs> but you mentioned something to me earlier about Deshaun Watson. You were watching the old uh, replay of the of the 2016 2017. 2017. It was it occurred in 2017. Yeah. It's the 2016 season. Don't get the numbers mixed up. We won in 16 and 18. No, I, dude, I am such a proponent <laughs> for this that you can't understand. It frustrates me yes. so much we do it, this. It's so dumb because there's like some t-shirts that say 2017 National Championship, some stickers that say 2017 National Championship. I'm like, you're literally giving it's me so a headache. Frustrating. We were 2016 season national champions. We were 2018 season national champions with Trevor Lawrence. And we were the 1981 champions with Danny there Ford, I, head I coach. I don't care when you played the game. <laughs> what season was the national champion of 2016? But, yes, well, I was watching. Like, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry we got so bad. Very distracted all of a sudden. Um, but, yeah, we, I was watching last night. What a good game, man. I forgot. First off, obviously, the year before, you have Bama, Clemson. First first uh, installment of the three-peat. Uh, and you get Bama with the victory, 45-40, where Clemson then is looking at them. And they're like, oh, we got this. We can do this. And then they came back next year, 2017. Deshaun Watson goes ham 405 yards. A rushing touchdown and four passing touchdowns. Oh my gosh. It was insane. And also, dude, the first that was freshman, Jalen Hurts, 
what a crazy journey Jalen Hurts has through college football. Just I was sitting there watching it. It's like, God, dude, has it really been that long since we were watching that game? Holy cow. That was the happiest day of my life. <laughs> I was actually sitting there thinking, I was watching too, as soon as Deshaun threw the pass to Hunter Renfro for that last touch, and I was sitting there thinking, I was like, oh my God, man. What a great, like, just, I started trying to, like, put myself in the feeling of being a Clemson fan. Obviously. I'm pulling for I mean, Georgia. Man, I'm pulling I, for I you guys. It, but, like. I, dude, I wanted y'all to experience what we had when Tua did See, that's dirty. what I'm saying. It's just that, that feeling of, like, it's been, you know, we won in 1980. I was nowhere near. I was nowhere near being thought about. So like, I just can't connect with being a national champion under Georgia or anything. So like, just to get that. I've relief, told multiple oh people this, Daniel. You'll be able to connect with this. I've told multiple people this, referring to the 2016 national champion. First off, just let me say the 2018 one gravy, gravy. You could have a whole turkey and have a great Thanksgiving day. And if you forget the gravy, people will be like, all right, well. <laughs> the 2016 National Championship is the turkey at Thanksgiving Day. I sat there as a child, and I was a Clemson fan. We were awful. When I was, like, really young, it was, like, 2-10, and 3-11. And we played Georgia when I was a kid, and we get our butts <laughs> whooped every time. So bad to where they quit the series for 15 years. <laughs> But anyways, Clemson had Tommy Bowden. We went eight and four every year of my childhood. We were season ticket holders. I sat on the fifty yard line. It was great. Times were good. Recession hits. That's over. <laughs> Still a Clemson fan. Anyways, my dream is Clemson winning a national championship. Bucket list of my life. But if I'm sixty five years old and Clemson wins a national championship, that's yes, what I feel that's like. All I needed. <laughs> that's all I needed. And I told you you were gonna connect with this. And then Dabo Sweeney's hire. I mean, I wasn't sold. Clemson fans were asking for Rich Rod at the time <laughs> to be our coach. And we were begging for Will Muschamp. Oh my and God, uh, Rich Rodriguez. we hired Dabo. And then uh, we were exactly, <laughs> that's what I'm so saying. Funny. And then uh, it's just the gradual climb with the Clemson Tigers. And we were a little arrogant. Like, we were like, we thought we were better than we were a little too early. We were 10-2, and two and we were bragging like we were 11-1, 12-0 team. But we, there was something coming. Every year we got one more win. We were better and better and better. And Taj Boyd was a great catalyst for what Clemson is. His, he was so good that he helped carry us and sustain. He got us 10 win seasons. Those were big deals. Won us an ACC championship. And then Deshaun, bro. That dude's a wild man, man. Like his freshman year, he came in after we had a year of Cole Stout, and he uh, he lit it up, man. He was just so talented that we had to bench Stout, man, for him. But then he got hurt, and we went back to Stout, and the season was a wash. But that the second Hunter Renthrow broke for that out route in the end zone, and you just saw him open, which is a controversial thing. Alabama fans say that the defender was tackled. That was a rub Clemson route. Fans yeah, say I mean, that it's a rub route, but it was Clemson well fans say that the Alabama player tackled the Clemson receiver. But as soon as he broke up, and I was standing beside my buddy Raymond in downtown Clemson at Study Hall, catches the ball, scream. Like, 
loudest screams you ever heard, happiest ever been, serotonin in my brain, highest it's ever been, dopamine, going crazy. <laughs> off the charts, off the charts. But seriously, man, it's just an unbelievable moment. You never think it's going to happen. And then two years later, Trevor Lawrence hands all that schlap well, daddy. And you said I would connect with it. As you're sitting there saying it, you're like, Taj Boyd gets us 10 win seasons. I'm like, God dang it, Jake Frum is Taj Boyd. I thought Jake Frum was better than that. Dang it. But Aaron Murray was your Taj <laughs> no, Boyd, no, no, man, almost. No, because <sighs> no, there were some rough times after. Y'all have went through quarterbacks oh, yeah, now. Y'all, Clemson's kind of crazy. We don't have the transfer quarterback thing. Well, We've had three- and four-year starters. First, we got our first one. We'll see how Jamie Newman does. But there is some news regarding college football, Zach, that does benefit the idea that they're they're going to be starting on time. The SEC had a vote today. Um, the NCAA, I will say, also prelude everything. NCAA has decided to leave it up each individual conference on what they do as far as when they return. SEC voted and decided to. <laughs> They're like, we're starting They're like, now. All right, listen, guys, <laughs> y'all can have all the responsibility now. We're done. We don't want to make decisions any longer. Uh, the SEC will have athletes back on campus June 8th. That is happening. The Big Ten has decided they are leaving it up to each individual school. I do believe the Big 12 has decided to do the same thing. I think the only conferences to keep an eye on at this point, obviously Pac-12, we talked about it, is probably going to be a little bit of a iffy situation going up to like last second decision because California is being closed for the foreseeable future right now. But yeah, I mean, if you if you just look at the mass populated areas, it's going to be a higher problem, you know. But like so. the ACC, on the other hand, it's a little bit of a stranger situation where you have some schools up north where it's a little bit worse near New York, Boston College, Syracuse, things of that nature. But you also do have the AC. You have Florida State, where you can Florida, you can go to the beaches, things of that nature. So the ACC is facing a situation where you do have a lot more programs in different situations. So I think the ACC is one to watch, where you could potentially have like three, four schools not participating in the ACC play because of where they're located. But that being said, yeah. Clemson Tiger football, Florida State football, NC State football, I assume all those would be happening. So, um, I paid my IPTE dues, so they better. Uh, also, Greenville Triumph fans, uh, you know, we've been a little low-key, no, not a lot happening, but I did. we got an email. I'm assuming if you're a season ticket holder, uh, you got an email. Did you get a I call? I get a call. They've been emailing me. I am work all the time. Can't ever catch me, I'm assuming. So, but they sent a look at that missed call. Email James yeah, Greenville Triumph uh, saying that the Triumph are now in talks of when they're going to be trying to return. So there is a some potential bright outlook on that, um, like half season, something of that nature. But we'll obviously keep everything up to date on that. Really, half we'll season? Uh, they didn't say anything for sure, obviously. But uh, I mean, that's just sort of what I'm thinking. I, we're, there's not going to be time at this point to play a full season, I would assume. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But maybe we'll have like five or six hype. The Friday Triumph uh, management, uh, the front office, apparently they, based off what they've been emailing with season ticket holders, they are optimistic of something coming through. So. Sports it seems to be coming back, Zach. It seems like we are getting back. But we're missing so we're much. We're missing a man. lot. The NBA f- 
playoffs would be oh, on man. right now. That is the one thing. It would be the conference finals. I, was, I think that's the one thing that's like, and I just don't know if the NBA is going to be able to really come back. Like at this point, if you come back, you're starting to infringe on next season too. And do you really want to? Do but they're that? okay with they're okay with pushing back next season to a Christmas Day start. Well, they've said that. We'll have to see what they do too. I mean, everything's still the, the season goes great when they do that. We did it in twenty eleven. Oh, fair, great season. Dirk won the title. <laughs> episode forty one. Episode forty two. <laughs> uh, check it out. It's done. Drop. Bam. Jackie yes. Robinson. So. Don't forget. Woo! Um, guys, follow us, Moody Sports, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Moody Sports page. Uh, obviously, check out the website, moodysportspage.com. I posted something there. Uh, Zach, I do think we should uh, start looking into potentially making some form of merchandise, guys. Keep an eye out on that. We'll be trying to work into that. Getting y'all some, something. What are you thinking? Like what are you thinking? Bucket, bucket hats. hats. Ponchos. Ponchos. I like the bucket hats and ponchos idea. That's strictly what we're making. I was thinking koozies, t-shirts. I mean, a dad hat, maybe. Dad hat, and maybe. then a non-dad hat. We gotta cover all. You should have. Wears. You should have a Moody Sports page disc. Ooh. I got a sticker hookup, man. Sticker hookup. My cousin started making Car stickers. stickers Sam. Be on the lookout for Be stickers. Be on the lookout for things, guys. We're talking business. <laughs> All right, we're We're out. out. Long pod. (laughs) Thank you for listening to A Very Moody Sports Show with Daniel Moody and Zach Whittington. Follow us on Instagram, Spotify, and Twitter at Moody Sports Page. That's right, a new name, Moody Sports Page. And listen up next week for good predictions and hot takes.